thought his head was going to pop off his shoulders. He was so furious. All right, when do we talk about the Saints? When are we going to get to that? Travis Zajac is really getting into a rhythm. There should be a Clark Gillies beer-smashing moment in Game 6. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 96, as we bring you another lit episode after the Islanders survive a wacky one in Boston, come away with a 5-4 victory in game five and push the Bruins to the brink of elimination coming up in game six. On Wednesday night at Nassau Coliseum in High, I'm your host, Andrew Gross of Newsday. I'm on Twitter at A Gross Newsday. And if it sounds a little bit strange, if I'm sounding a little tinny or nasally or whatever description you want to use, it's because I'm actually talking to you from my car as I am driving home from Boston. I apologize for the sound quality, but, you know, hopefully you'll forgive me because we, we we have this podcast to talk to talk about. And uh, as always during the playoffs, I uh, bring in my two Newsday colleagues and friends. That's Neil Bess and Colin Stevenson. And I don't know, guys. I mean, let me start here um, with, with making a mea culpa to all the Islander fans for, for picking the Bruins in six. Uh, I, I got that incredibly wrong and, I, I really, I guess I did not estimate the, the, the Islanders' resiliency well enough and, and their ability to kind of survive these games where, where they fall behind again one nothing and, and that first period just completely looks like the Bruins are going to run them out of the building, yet they get back to their dressing room after at the first intermission, tied 1-1 on a Matthew Barzell power play goal. And, uh, you know, from there, uh, they score three in the uh, second period and then survive another push. They get outshot 18-3 to in the third period. So Islander fans, mea culpa, um, you know, uh, this one... <laughs> If anyone's going to win in six, it's the Islanders. So uh, please accept my apologies on that. And, uh, you know, guys, what, what were you thinking during that first period? Well, for, first of all, I have a question for you. Why did Lou Lamorello not invite you to go on the team charter back from Boston to make this easier? Then you could have done the podcast on the plane and talked to the players. It would have been great. Uh, well, it's a complicated question. Well, the short answer is Lou wants me, nor any other media member, nor anyone that is basically not within the inner circle of trust to be on that team yeah. charter. Yeah, and I, that's I, even during pre-pandemic times. So no, I understand. You know? I, I, I understand. I was kidding. Um, but as far as <laughs> as far as the mea culpa that you you know, he, the reason that I am not going to do a mea culpa for picking the Bruins in six is that. Look, you, you have, but that's sort of part of the point here is the Bruins appear to be the better team. Uh, they certainly appeared to be the better team in game five, but that's sort of the point of the Islanders. They win anyway. Like, so I do not apologize for thinking the Bruins were the better team coming into the series because they probably still are. But of course, it doesn't matter because, all, as Barry Trott said, the shots on goal don't count, the scoreboard counts. 
and you have to give the Islanders credit for somehow finding a way. Now, Neil, you, you wrote off of this game, which I think is a pretty, a pretty good take on it. You know, sometimes it just feels like your year, right? Yeah, well, yeah, this, and, and, you know, I, the same thing happened in game five in Pittsburgh, by the way, when they were out playing one anyway. So yeah, all kinds of strange things happening, questionable calls. Of course, we'll get to that subject later, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, yeah, the defenseman breaking his stick when he's trying to kill a penalty and, you know, Tuka Rask getting pulled for a rookie who's never played before. You know, yes, it's just this kind of strangeness. I mean, it's a sort of similar to what's going on with the Kennedy ends are coming out of nowhere. Now, the Islanders are a better team, had a better season than the Kennedy ends. But, 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 you know, in the playoffs, weird stuff happens. Yeah, well, and the other thing is, they still, you know, they have to finish it, right? I mean, they're they're up three to two, and as I heard tonight, and I'm sure I heard it every single time, the fourth one's the hardest to win, right? So let's let's not not uh, advance them on against uh, Tampa Bay yet. Wait, wait, wait! I I got a phrase for that, Colin. We gotta pump the brakes here. No, no pump, pump, pump the brakes is the correct term. Barry Trotz says pump the tires for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it was, it was interesting. You know, I I found fascinating. Um, you know, as as you know, from you know, I did the 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 advance of the game uh, yesterday, and I, I spent my whole story talking about line matchups and faceoffs, and uh, I was I was I was paying attention to that, and um, and and you know, it was it was kind of neat. You know, Barry said he had a couple of tricks up his sleeve, and, and uh, I guess one of them was to, you know, swap uh, Neil's guy, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, uh, with Brock Nelson, give him a different look, and uh, I, I guess that was one of the tricks, and that seemed to work out okay. Well, the, the, the Brock Nelson trio with uh, – and, God, what a great folk group that would be, the Brock <laughs> Nelson trio – but, 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 but the Brock Nelson trio with, with Josh Bailey and Anthony Beauvillier were on the ice for the first two Bruins goals. And, and then uh, Trotz makes that move and, uh, you know, it, it, it worked. And, and, and look, let, let, let's not sugarcoat this. The Bruins' top line, the Patrice Bergeron line tonight, they were, they were outstanding. They, yeah. were, they, they were just going twice the speed of the Islanders all night. And it's just a testament to the Islanders that, that they managed to get through this. Yeah, and, and the fact, you know, we've talked many times during the playoffs about how that Nelson line has been their best line. And the fact that Barry was willing to blow it up just on the fly and have that work is, you know, it's, I guess it goes back to what we were saying. Maybe it's their year and Trotz can do no wrong right now in some of his decision-making. Um, but, yeah, that top line, I mean, look uh, – if you're talking about having to close this thing out by winning another game, you know, it might be a good idea to not let them continue to just dominate like that because that's not a formula for success. The Bruins again get a, a quick goal. And it's, it's remarkable because all we talk about really is, you know, and, and again, we're not going to talk about which goalie is starting game six. It's going to be Semyon Barlamov. But in, in, in all six of his playoff starts now, He's allowed the first goal, and in five of his six playoff starts, he's allowed a, a goal on one of the first three shots. But look, there, there was nothing he could have done on that David Pasternak uh, goal. I think it was 125 
into the first period. It just Charlie McAvoy sets him up as he he's, he did again in the third period um, for for a one timer from the left circle, and Varley was a little bit screened on it, but it was ju- it was just an incredible shot. And, and, you know, and then Brad Marchand nearly makes it uh, 2 nothing less than two minutes later. He gets the puck off the right post and just sort of slides it past Barley, but it goes through the crease rather than into the net. And, and, and I, thought that was, uh, I thought that was a turning point there. Um, you know, obviously the, the Islanders were still on their heels. Colin, I'm sorry, I didn't get a chance to see it, but what what did you pick as the turning point to this crazy game? I actually picked the Barzal goal because, you know, my feeling was that the Bruins were just pummeling them. And and I kept thinking to myself, boy, they've got a lot of shots. They're dominating. The Islanders can't get the puck out of their own end, and yet they're only down 1-0. And lo and behold, the Islanders get a power play, and they cash in, and it's 1-1 to end the period. And it's just like that that's not what you want if you're the Bruins after you dominated that period the way they did. So that's so I went with the with the Barzal goal. But yes, you're right. We could have we could have gone with uh with that uh I don't know if you want to call it miss, but that that non-goal, I guess, by by Marchand. But uh, you know, but then Marsh, you know, Marchand got one anyway, so it's yeah. Well, I, w- I was gonna say you, uh, another turning point was probably the Josh Bailey goal to go up 3-2 after Brad Marchand gets around Ryan Pulak and then, you know, slips it, has Varlamov at the crease, and, you know, TD Garden is going nuts, and it's 2-2, and it, and it kind of feels like the Bruins, had, you know, whatever momentum the Islanders had going up 2-1 uh, early in the, in the, in the period, you know, it, 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 they got it back. And, and I should note, just going back a little bit, you mentioned Tuka Rask. Um, he, he was pulled after uh, allowing four goals on 16 shots, but uh, Bruins coach Bruce Cassidy said after the game that that was a health issue. That was a maintenance issue. There, there was something wrong with Tuka Rask. Uh, at this point, they're not, uh, you know, they're not overly concerned whether he's going to be available for game six on Wednesday. But, you know, it was something that cropped up in the, in the morning skate when Tukarask was not on the ice for a full team morning skate. And Yaro Halak and Jeremy Swayman uh, were the two goalies who, uh, who basically did the whole morning skate. So, you know, if you talk about goalies, you know, we know Semyon Varlamov is starting game six. I, I guess you got to say we're not 100% sure whether uh, Tukarask is going to be available or not. And, and, and Neil, do you, you know, do, do you feel better or worse if, uh, if the Islanders are going against Jeremy Swayman in game six? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, if Rask is right, you you know, you you wouldn't you would if you're the Islanders, you'd want to you'd rather have that rookie. But there's there's been murmurs about his health throughout this whole series. I mean, we of course it's hockey, so we don't know what the heck's going on with him, and we won't until they either win the cup or or, or get eliminated. Um, but there's clearly something not a hundred percent right with him. Um, yeah, he missed practice a couple days ago. Uh, I remember. Uh, Oh, when do we have two game, two days between games? I guess it was between game one and two. No, that was 
Um, it's all a blur. But all a blur. Between, that was between two and three, I believe. All right. Yeah, between two and three. Right between the between the, the games in Boston yeah. and, the, and game three. So yeah, he did miss practice. I think they were off the first day, and then and then he missed practice the second day, and so there was some discussion. Yeah, there's there's something going on, but obviously they didn't expect that he would miss a game. But I don't know. The goals he was giving up today wasn't – I mean, obviously he wasn't at his best, but I don't think he was just giving up a bunch of terrible goals. I mean, it was – you know, there's some of the, the – <clears throat> some of the pretty good shots. The Barzell's was certainly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's not been the dominant sort of Tukaresk we would expect. And, um, Bar- I mean, Barlamov's been better so far, really. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that any of this is, is, is a is a bad call. I mean, that nobody's stopping that that Barzal shot. I mean, that was that was right yeah. in, you know, perfect spot. All right, when do we talk about the Saints? When are we going to get to that? <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, if you, if we're talking about storylines going ahead into Game Six, we we got to talk about the the gamesmanship between the two coaches here, and and it starts. Sunday in in between game four and five when uh, Barry Trotz talking about Patrice Bergeron mentions that well you know Patrice Bergeron who as we just we discussed on the last episode is, is the best faceoff taker in the NHL and, and Barry Trotz comes out and says well you know he cheats he gets his stick down early and that's <laughs> something the uh, that's that that's something the, uh, the the linesmen have to you know hopefully we're relying on the linesmen to to stop that and and sure enough in in game five today Patrice Bergeron got tossed from his first faceoff uh, in the offensive zone early in the first period and and you're thinking wow Barry Trotz absolutely knows how to work the uh, uh, the referees and you know Patrice Bergeron was asked about that before. Game five, and Bergeron's quote was, "Well, you know, if if you saw what Barry said, he, you know, he basically called it a veteran play, and I think it's a veteran play on Barry's part, you know, to to make the linesmen, you know, get in their heads and have them think about it. And I, I think Barry did his job because David Krejci also got kicked out of the faceoff circle a couple of times. And now we fast forward to after the game." And Bruce Cassidy, who, let's face it, was a little bit sour about the refereeing and the officiating all through the game. And, and Neil, I'll let you go down the litany of that. But, you know, Bruce Cassidy basically says, you know, it basically says you got to show Patrice Bergeron a little bit of respect. And then he comes out and he says, you know, the Islanders, you know, push this narrative that they're the New York Saints. <laughs> and and it basically, you know, they've never done anything wrong. And, you know, and, and Bruce Cassidy did say, look, they're very well coached and all due respect to Barry Trotz and his coaching staff, but they pushed the narrative that they're the New York Saints, which is a very funny line if, if Bruce wasn't so angry after the game. Uh, Barry Trotz is asked about that after the game, and his response when he was – told about the New York Saints reference, he says, well, I, I don't know. You got to ask Bruce about that. I don't know what he's talking about. But I will say we're the least penalized team in the NHL. So I, I'm sure this is going to have a little bit of a, you know, uh, to use uh, some journalism jargon, this, is, this has legs. 
and I'm sure Bruce Cassidy is going to be asked about this again tomorrow. So something to look forward to going into game six. And, Neil, as you mentioned, and I just said, how many questionable calls and non-calls did you count up in this game? Well, first of all, I think two, two, two of the three penalties that led to Islanders' goals were questionable. Um, you know, the last one was just kind of a stupid high stick on Barzell. But, the, um, you know, it's like I, I tweeted out before. This reminds me of Pat Riley and Phil Jackson working the refs in the early, you know, early to mid-90s. And um, it's just, I mean, it's great stuff. It's like the other day when I said I feel Barry's so good with the media that I feel I should give some of my paycheck to him well. Tomorrow I should be giving my paycheck to Bruce Cassidy because he just I mean, not only did he give us all this material, but he gave us a, a, a lacrosse team that played in Nassau Coliseum. I mean, how much better can it be than mentioning the New York Saints? I'm sure he was not a big follower of the 1990s New York Saints at Nassau Coliseum. Just real quickly, I, I'll tell you something funny because after the game, you, you texted me and, and, and what, what was the name of the New York Saints uh, uh, goal, goalie there. Well, I don't want our competitors to know my plans for tomorrow, but um, <laughs> but Sal Lacasio was their star goalie throughout the 90s. I, I, I totally misread that, right? I, I saw it quickly. I totally misread it. And in the press box, I'm talking to a, a, a Boston radio guy, and we're talking about the New York Saints and how they played at Nassau Coliseum. And again, you know, uh, this is one of my, uh, you know, just idiotic moments. And I said to him, and I think their goalie now works for uh, WFAM, Sal Licata. And he looked at me, <laughs> he looked at me, he goes, I don't think that's right. <laughs> I, I mean, I could get a comment from Sal Licata, but I... in my adult brain, I put two and two together. I'm like, you're the media guy. I see Sal something. It's got to be Sal Licata because that, that's who Neil is going to have a phone number yeah, for. No, that, yeah, that's not the guy. But anyway, the, uh, no, it, it, was, it, it would have been great stuff even if he's, you know, the New York Saints were not a former lacrosse team that played at Nassau Coliseum. However, Cassidy's trying to do, obviously, what Barry did, you know, two days ago, whenever that was. Um, and yeah. well, look, I mean, as an objective observer, I, I think there were a couple of questionable, call, questionable calls. However, you still have to kill the penalty. I mean, the Islanders scored, which is the bottom line. There was also that one very famous one where, well, who was it? Krejci or somebody? No. That no, Richie. Richie had, had Mayfield on the ice and, and totally clonked him. Yeah, he elbowed him right in the head. Like, and, uh, you know. But there was no call on that. No. No. I thought Mayfield was, was – I thought his head was going to pop off his shoulders. He was so furious. But then again, on, on, the, uh, on, on the call that led to Barzell's uh, power play goal, I, I think it was uh, the slash on Noah Dobson, right? And, and, and I looked at it. Noah's – and his shot got blocked, but, but that was literally the, the first dangerous chance – the Islanders had all first period and it came with the, you know, under around 90 seconds to go or whatever it was, but it, it was kind of a really a ticky tack penalty, a, a ticky tack slash there. I thought Bruce Cassidy was, was going to lose his mind. I, he was hot on that. You know, the, the only thing I'd say about this coach jockeying stuff is that 
the 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 thing about Bergeron, the thing about what Barry said about Bergeron, uh, whether he's right or wrong, at, at least it's more of like a, it, it's sort of a technical issue that he's pointing out about about what he wants the linesman to keep an eye on, which to me is a little different than just complaining about broadly about about normal penalty calls. So, you know, you almost have more of a right to say, hey, you know, keep an eye on this that he's doing, this specific thing he's doing. Um, and in that sense, it made more sense to me than Cassidy's just sort of more broadly complaining about the penalties. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, he's been unhappy, Cassidy, with the officiating throughout the series. So it's not, I mean, today, today it was noticeable because the Islanders scored three power play goals, which we should probably talk about as well. But, uh, but no, he's, he's not been happy with the officiating uh, all series long. Well, I mean, and that's why he's furious because, you know, as Colin says, the Islanders go three for four on the uh, on the power play. It's the first time ever under Barry Trotz they had scored uh, three power play goals. And, and Colin, what did I write? It's the first time the Islanders have had three playoff goals since 2002, I think I wrote. Yeah, 2002 was the last time they had three power play goals in a playoff game. That's a long time. Yeah, it's it's a it's a long time, and you know what? I mean, you know, obvious to say, but the the Islanders are not going into Game Six at Nassau Coliseum on Wednesday without obviously those three power play goals, and 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 the way Semyon Varlamov kept him in in a game in the first period, and you know kept the Bruins from scoring the equalizer in the third period. If you're looking for keys to the game, it's that's it in a nutshell. And, you know, just again, looking forward to, to game six, I mean, you know, we, we go on ad infinitum about the, the atmosphere at, at Nassau Coliseum, but, you know, I'm trying to imagine the scene on Wednesday, uh, the, the Islanders with a chance to go back to the NHL semifinals, the NHL Final Four, for second straight season. And, and folks, uh, you, you guys know this. That has not been done by the Islanders since 1983-84. So uh, it, it's a long time here. And, you know, I, I guess just what, what, what is going to stand out for, for both of you uh, as you're in the building on, uh, on Wednesday, you know, just what kind of scene are, are you anticipating? I can tell you, I was, I was in the last, I was in the building the last time that they played the last game in Nassau Coliseum. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, don't, I don't remember too much about the actual game, but I, I remember, you know, obviously the Islanders won and, forced a game six. It was game six against Washington and they and they won in overtime and forced a game seven. And I remember, you know, it was it was really weird leaving the building because you didn't know if you were coming back, right? That was a I guess it was a first round series and you know you just didn't know because all they had done was, you know, saw to it that, you know, that wasn't that, you know, that they gave themselves a chance to come back. Uh, but but people when we were leaving the building you didn't know what to say to somebody. Like you didn't know to give them a hug and say, "Oh, it was nice knowing you," or to say, "Hey, we'll see you. You know, we'll see you next game." And so it was just kind of awkward when people were leaving the building. And I, and I think to to a, to a certain degree, um, obviously you have a you have the opportunity now where if they win, 
and you know you're coming back. So, uh, so, so it's a different vibe. But I think the place is gonna be rocking as always. Uh, I mean, I, I wrote this. Look, the, the atmosphere is gonna be great. So, if you're a fan or if you're a journalist or you know just being there or even watching on TV, um, it's gonna be great. However, as I wrote earlier in the series and as we saw again tonight that does not in any way remotely ensure a win. And I'm not sure it's even an advantage in terms of a win because in the NHL, home team, home ice advantage is mostly non-existent. So um, it's going to be a fantastic atmosphere, but to me, it doesn't make the Islanders any more or less likely to win. Well, I, I, I will say this as I was wrapping up at the TD Garden press box talking to some of the, the Boston media there, they their their take on this is that the Bruins are, are kind of shot just because of, you know, if they couldn't win this game, you know, how the heck are they going to win a game six at Nassau Coliseum? No, I, I, again, I don't know if I 100% agree with that, and I know that's going to, you know, rub Islander fans the wrong way, but, uh, you know, since this series started, I, I, and again, I know I picked the Bruins in six, and yeah, Mia Culpa, I got that completely wrong. But, you know, earlier in the series, uh, you know, certainly coming into tonight's game, uh, game five, to me, this series had a game seven written all over it. And again, this goes back to what I was saying on the last podcast, where, uh, you know, Islanders media – you know, because we see the Islanders all the time, you know, are more apt to poke holes in the Islanders game than the opponents, whereas the Bruins media, seeing the Bruins all the time, are probably more apt to, to poke holes in their game. You know, I, I know wrapping up game six against the Penguins at, at Nassau Coliseum was special, this is one round more special or potentially more special. So, uh, so I just think, you know, uh, some of the younger kids there might need some earplugs. Well, well, there's also more people in the building than there was for game six, you know, against the um, Penguins. But, yeah, I mean, but again, though, if you ask, as great as it's going to be, if you asked me to bet on that, pick that game or even put actual money on that game, uh, I would say, well, give me a coin. And I'll, and I'll flip it, and that's what I'll do. Because to me, uh, these are very even teams. And, you know, yeah, I think game six is a toss-up. I, I kind of agree with those Boston uh, media. Because, you know, as I said earlier, when I was watching the way the Bruins were pummeling the Islanders in that first period, and to get out of it 1-1, you know, I just don't know how much more they can do. You know, I mean, like, and not only they, they get out of it 1-1, and they actually end up falling behind 5-2. They pull the goalie. So now you got to wonder, he doesn't know who he's going to start in goal in game six. So he's got that to worry about. He's down a defenseman, right? Because uh, um, Brandon Carlo is, you know, hasn't played in two games after after getting hit by Clutterbuck. I mean, I can't imagine after seeing that hit that, that this guy Carlo is going to play in game six either. So he's got problems. You know, if guys have it in their heads that the refs aren't calling it fair and they're not getting a break, it's a lot. It's a lot. You know, it doesn't mean that they can't overcome it. But I'm just saying that Boston has problems because 
they outshot the Islanders, what, 44 to 19, was it? Yeah, 44-19, yeah. Brock Nelson's goal came with 159 into the third period. They did not get another shot on goal after that. How much better can Boston play? I mean, if they bring that same game again, they can't. I mean, they can't They can't replicate that. They won't be able to replicate that on the road. So if they couldn't win that game tonight, I think it's a real, real tall task to, to ask them to, to win on Wednesday in Nassau Coliseum. Are they bringing Pasternak, Marchand, and Bergeron with them, though? Are they coming up? We don't know who's starting in goal. If they, you either start a 22-year-old rookie who admittedly had a great year, or you're starting a guy who's physically compromised. You also bring up a point. I don't think we've spoken enough. You know, you talk about Brandon Carlo being out. We haven't spoken enough about the fact that the Bruins have missed Kevin Millar, uh, Miller all series, too. So their defense depth is, is already a, a little taxed here. But, uh, hey, listen, I, I know we're, we're kind of running low on the dime uh, getting this oh, recorded. Yeah. I got, we got extra time. I, I, we got extra time. I, you know, the, the, the Zoom people told me that they, they gave me extra time. So let's, let's go another hour. Andrew, let's, let's, go till, let's go till Andrew gets home. Yeah. <laughs> no one wants to hear my whole trip home, although I have successfully now navigated off the Mass Pike and I'm getting on uh, uh, I-84 and uh, in another 35 minutes or so, I will be in Hartford and that that's kind of halfway home. You got on, I remember when you got on the Mass Pike and it was 55 miles and I don't think that was 55 minutes ago. Well, I mean, the speed limit's 65. I, I thought that the speaking of the fact you're driving from Red Sox into Yankees country soon, I, I thought this entire night was good payback for that Red Sox Yankees series over the weekend where the Yankees thought they were aggrieved in the officiating. So now Boston and New York. Hey, can, are can, can we talk about for the second and the, and the, the fact that Barry Trotz may be on the cusp of being the longest tenured New York coach or manager if <laughs> if this fly costs Aaron Boone his job? Let's not put that out in the universe just now. I mean, you know. The one thing well, about that, the one thing I'll say about that crazy third period or the, you know, the here I was thinking that there was finally going to be not a boring game, but at least a game that was decided, you know, well before the end of regulation for once in this series. And sure enough, that was not possible. So, you know, I, I'm just, this has been a great series to watch if you're, you know, if you're a fan of hockey and not a reporter on deadline. Um, but, you know, even in a game that looked like the, the two games in this series that looked like they were over, you know, early third period turned out not to be. So it's, it's just been a, extremely entertaining. And of course, it's hard, no matter what happens in game six, it'll be entertaining. Andrew, I got a question for yeah. you. Yeah, go ahead. So our man Oliver Wally Wallstrom was uh, skating at the morning skate, right? How did he look? He looked okay. I mean, and I'm glad you brought that up because in the in the newsy section of the podcast, we should talk about the fact that you know Oliver Wallstrom did participate in the optional morning skate and. Uh, went through everything and you know again i'm not a you know a skating scout but you know he wasn't it wasn't like he was going half speed or anything i mean he was full out participating so that's a good sign um 
And the other bit of the news was obviously Captain Anders Lee uh, being out on the ice. Now he did not participate fully in the uh, you know in the morning optional. He was not going through the drills. He was more working down you know one on one with the uh, with the coach at the other end of the ice. But still, I mean, somewhat remarkable to to see Anders Lee out on the ice. Uh, you know. He was hurt. He tore his right ACL on March 11th. And we're now, you know, as you listen to this, it's June 8th. So that's less than three months. And he's back on the ice. And, you know, and Barry Trotz had to say again after the game that no, 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 no. Anders Lee is not coming back into the playoffs. I mean, Barry Trotz did couch it by saying not unless we play into September, which, you know, pretty amusing. But, you know, the expectation, the timetable all along was that Anders Lee was going to uh, be ready for training camp in September. And, and Barry Trott said, you know, Anders Lee still has a lot of work to do, a long road of recovery ahead. But still, really good to see Anders Lee on the ice. He was doing a lot of drills around the net trying to tip pucks. He was doing a lot of work along the boards, you know, stopping rimmed pucks around the boards. He was doing a lot of stop and start side-to-side drills. Uh, They, he worked really hard, uh, you know, on the, on the ice, probably about 45 minutes and, and really bent over, uh, you know, by the end of the session. Can, can I ask a, a serious question of our two hockey experts here? Is, is it is it a is it a possible thing for him to just go on the ice to warm ups for Game Six to do a Willis Reed thing? Obviously not to play, but is he like even allowed to be on the ice for warm ups? I don't think he is allowed to go out there. He is not on the active roster. Okay, because that would be pretty cool. Obviously. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was yeah, just, no. just wondering. I'll tell you exactly what I want for game six. I want Clark Gillies out at center ice in his jersey before, before you know, maybe like right after the national anthem is done. Maybe he can drop the ceremonial first puck by smashing a beer can against his head, dropping the puck, dropping the mic, and walking off the ice. I, I would love to see that from Clark Gillies. That would be cool. That would be very cool. Although, uh, obviously, that cannot happen because uh, due to COVID-19 <laughs> guidelines, you know, no, no outside NHL personnel can intermingle with NHL personnel on the ice like that. However, you know, there, there should be a Clark Gillies beer-smashing moment in Game 6. Yeah, but the other thing, too, is you don't want him spilling beer on the ice because that would muck up all the ice. Just one other quick serious hockey question here about Wallstrom. You know, Zajac, is, he's showing increasing, um, you know, trust and reliance on Zajac. I noticed in the last frantic seconds of the game, Zajac is out there with Uncle Leo and obviously he's taking key, key face-offs and he's doing all this stuff. Like, it, are we now at the point where even with a health, with a healthy Wallstrom, is he going to sit Zajac? I, I think it's a, it, it's a very tough question. I do think you refer back to Barry.
Barry Trotz's answer when he was asked about, and I didn't you ask the question now about guys, you know, does he believe in, you know, people not being able to lose their job to injury? And he said, yes, with the caveat that that really applies to veterans and not necessarily guys, you know, rookies or, or guys who don't have a ton of NHL experience. Uh, on the other hand, Barry always talks about the unique aspects that Oliver Wallstrom bring to the lineup, you know, his size, uh, his certainly his shot, um, his power play work. It's a really good question on your part, Neil, and it's a really tough answer because, as I wrote today, Travis Zajac is really getting into a rhythm uh, in the lineup and really contributing here. Um, that That's going to be a very hard call for Barry Trotz. And I actually was going to ask you the same question, Andrew. That's why I brought up uh, Wallstrom. If I'm Barry, and Barry's not listening to me because – if he was listening to me, it would have started Sorokin uh, the last couple. Of years. But uh, but if, if it's me, I'm I'm not I'm not taking Travis Ajak out of the lineup right now. You got a good thing going, right? Yeah. Now you know at the, at the start of the next series, um, you know if if they should happen to win this series and, and advance to the next series, uh, and Wallstrom is fully healthy, and then then you know then you can reconsider matchups and whatnot, but. I think Zajac has the rest of the series. Well, I mean, if, and this, uh, you know, I'm not trying to touch the money or, or go get too far ahead of myself here, but if you're talking about the Islanders advancing, and as we know, they would play either the Lightning or the Hurricanes. Both the Lightning and Hurricanes are faster teams than the Bruins. And I, I think that would definitely go into Barry's thinking as to what kind of legs he would want out on the ice in that type of series. You know, I think I think in the next series again matchups would would, would dictate you know what you uh, you might want a different matchup. But I think right now Zajac is matching up really nicely against uh, against Boston. Does anyone else have anything uh, for the uh, for the table right now? Uh, Scott Mayfield had uh, five block shots tonight. I picked him as, as one of the three stars. Uh, I had to get him in there somehow. Led the team in ice time. Played really strong. This is a guy that I know that Islander fans have had sort of a love-hate relationship with, you know, over most of the season. And, um, you know, he's really playing well in the in the playoffs. He's, and he seems to be getting better and better all the time. And he got the most ice time of anybody on the Islanders tonight, which, which tells me that, uh, you know, Barry saw something that he liked in this guy and, you know, five block shots is not a bad thing either. So I uh, just wanted to uh, make sure we put that out there that uh, our man Mayfield, uh, you know, was, was, was pretty rock solid tonight. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I forgot who, who said this to me, but someone just said to me, you know, if Mayfield stays on the ice after Richie kind of clumps him in the head, uh, towards the end of the first period there. If Mayfield just stays on the ice, maybe Richie's looking at a suspension or supplemental discipline there. But but instead Mayfield kind of gathered himself and got him got himself to the bench and that's where he started yelling at the refs. So uh, I don't know if you guys saw that the same way or not. Well, 
Bruce Cassidy, that would have been another thing for Bruce Cassidy to be mad about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, how, many, how, how, many, how many New York Saints T-shirts are we going to see at the Coliseum on Wednesday? This is the, you know, the, this, I looked up the Saints history. They lost the championship game in 1989, their first year, never made it back to the final. So they never won a championship. So th this is really their big moment in the sun. Yeah. And you, you know what? And I do love lacrosse, but they are not my second favorite team who's ever played at, at Nassau Coliseum. And I'm taking the ABA New York Nets out of this because I, I, I did love me some ABA New York Nets when they had some, you know, Julius Irving. But I was a huge New York Arrows fan. Yeah. Bronco Segoda, Shep Messing, the whole you know, Stevie Jungle, I loved the New York Arrows of, uh, you know, indoor soccer, uh, early 80s. Fun. Didn't they win the championship like five years in a row or something? It was crazy. They, they did. They did. And all their games were, all their home games were on Channel 11. And just so much fun to watch. Before we wrap up, unless uh, anyone wants to stop me from wrapping up, uh, I did have a, 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 some questions here, and a, again, it's a chance for me to uh, insert the goofy theme music as I ask a couple of Andrew's questions. And, and Neil, I'll start with the simple one for you. Have we seen the best of Matthew Barzell in the playoffs yet? Because he keeps getting better and better here. Well, I mean, I don't, he doesn't have to be much better than he's been these last couple of games. So I guess I'd say, yeah, this is what, this is what they need from him. He doesn't have to be better than this. So yeah, I, I would say we've seen, we're seeing what they need from him. It doesn't have to be better than this. All right. And now Colin, that was a boring yeah, answer. I'm sorry. Well, just hang on there, uh, Neil. Don't go anywhere. Uh, <laughs> Colin, since you, since you wrote about matchups, what's your take? Uh, coming back to Nassau Coliseum, where where Barry Trotz has last change, assuming he goes back to uh, what he had before he flip-flopped Brock Nelson and Jean-Gabriel Pajot, or do you think Barry might think he has something there. No, no, I think I think uh, I think he'll go back to Pajo between those two two ex devils. Um, he likes that line. That line's been good for him, um, and uh, and I think you know it's part of the the, the head games too. Like uh, you know, you wouldn't let me have this match up in Boston. Well, I'm I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna grab your throat here on Long Island. You know, so I think that's that. He'll, he'll do that. And he'll want he'll want to get Nelson back with, uh, you know, with Beauvillier and, and Bailey. Uh, you know, he just he just did that uh, um, in Game Five to change it up a little bit, give him a little different look, and and you know it was effective. But no, that's not something you I expect him to stay with. Yeah, and, and no, I, I agree with you totally. And I, I will say this, Neil. I I actually think Barzell has better in him still as good as he's been for, for three games in a row here. I, I still feel like he is, he's got enough elite talent where he can just break off a game where you, you'll be 
jaw dropped. I, I still expect him to continue this upward trend to, and to really break off a game that's going to amaze us here. My other question, and, and, and this is kind of uh, taking off because uh, my, my, my good friend, and, and, and it's still an Andrew's question because it comes from an Andy, but my good friend, Andy Sauer, who I, I went to Syracuse with, worked on the school paper with in, in Syracuse, and then when we graduated, the two of us worked uh, up in Oneonta at the Daily Star uh, for almost four years together up there. And uh, Andy was the, the bassist and singer in, in our band uh, that had a nice little run doing gigs around New York State for, for a couple of years. Um, so Andy gets in touch with me and goes, you got to ask Neil this. On February 24th, 1980, which, as we all know, is the day Team USA wrapped up the gold medal at the 1980 Winter Olympics in Lake Placid. On that day, which band started a leg of their, you know, one of their great tours at Nassau Coliseum? Uh, Jethro Tull. That would be incorrect. <laughs> I, I, I will say you're in the right ballpark, sort of. You're, you're in the right era. You're, you're almost in the same ballpark in terms of theatrics and progressive music. Uh, the Carpenters. <laughs> now, now, now you're getting colder. And uh, although I will say Karen Carpenter does not get enough love as a great drummer. And I'm being totally serious. Oh, she was a hell of a drummer. But no, 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 you're getting I, colder. I'll, gi I'll give you one more shot I, here. I do remember watching that game. I do remember watching the game against Finland in my uh, fraternity's TV room, but I do not recall uh, following the Nassau Coliseum concert schedule. Um, Donna Summer. Oh, boy. No, no, no. We're going we're to we're gonna have to gong you out here, Neil. It was Pink Floyd as oh, they okay. started a leg, their, their, their Nassau Coliseum run of the Wall concert, well, the original yeah, well, Wall concert. Right. That's the high. That, well, I obviously remember that album coming out, but yeah, I did not recall them playing the Coliseum. Well, listen, thank you both for uh, bearing with me and making this drive home from Boston go very, very quickly. It, it's always great chatting with both of you. And, uh, I, I can't thank you enough for, for what you've both added to, uh, to the podcast during this playoff run. And, you know, that's uh, Colin Stevenson at Colin S. Newsday on Twitter and Neil Best at Sportswatch on Twitter. And we will be back with episode 97 of the Island Ice podcast uh, after game six at Nassau Coliseum on Wednesday night. And are we going to be talking about the Islanders clinching another berth in the NHL semifinals, or are we going to be trying to talk Islander fans off the ledge as the Islanders head back to Boston for a game seven? So uh, we'll know that in about 48 hours or so. And uh, until then, if you want to uh, read or, or, or listen to anything that Neil and uh, 
Colin and I write, say, do, think, uh, in my case, screw up. That's all on uh, newsday.com backslash aisles. And until episode 97, happy hockey, everybody.